And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of the Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we are re-airing an interview from a few years back with Dr. Stephen Greer, who is the founder of the modern-day disclosure movement as it pertains to extraterrestrial life. The interview that aired a few years ago, I believe, is just as relevant today as it was back then. And since the time of this interview, Dr. Greer came out with a new film called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, which I highly recommend you watch and check out. because I believe it is very cutting-edge. And one of the things that Dr. Greer elaborates on he really has developed a protocol for communication with extraterrestrial beings and tell you a little bit more about dr greer is he's a trauma surgeon he briefed presidents of the united states about what we really knew about ufos and he also had a profound near-death experience and his account of his experience is very concurrent with a lot of the other people we've had on. And one of the things that Dr. Greer has talked about is he says, okay, well, there's not several different minds. There's just one mind, one singularity, one consciousness. And we are all manifestations within that mind. And that's something that our beloved friend, Nancy Dennison, has talked about as well. So this concept is very relevant when it comes to communication it'll give you a window into how these beings uh, seem to appear out of nowhere and how they travel at these ridiculous speeds and how they're able to travel vast amounts of space to get to us dr greer is one of those individuals who's always discussed that these aliens that we're talking about they're not hostile I know we see things on uh, shows like Ancient Aliens, and we see all these movies where these aliens are very hostile towards us. And I know David Icke has talked about other races that are interfering in humanity's evolution. And I'm going to say I'm not going to doubt that. I think that there is some kind of interference. I don't know what it is, but Dr. Greer has a lot of his focus is that these beings that are out there want peaceful connections but they view us as very uncivilized and that we're kind of a lower level caveman type civilization i couldn't blame them for feeling that way this particular interview dr greer is going to talk about where humanity is where our relationship with these beings are and what the future might be and again the answers that he gave a few years ago are just as relevant if not more relevant today let us begin tonight's show joining us now is Dr. Stephen M. Greer. He's the founder of the Disclosure Project, the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, the Orion Project, and Serious Technology Advanced Research. He is also author of a phenomenal book called Unacknowledged, 
which is also a documentary on people have watched. I think it's the most viewed documentary on iTunes for 2017, and it only was on there for three months. It's been viewed several millions of times. You can learn more about Dr. Greer by going to his website at SeriousDisclosure.com. Dr. Greer, it is a great honor to have you with us today. Thank you for being with us. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Greer, what are your initial thoughts about the recent UFO acknowledgments? It seems that the Pentagon has come out and say, hey, by the way, we have a UFO program, and there's a massive sighting in California. And what I'm particularly startled about is the fact that this information came out and it's not on the cover of every national newspaper and the fact that most people aren't talking about it. They're still talking about what's on iTunes. So I was wondering what your initial reaction to that is and why do you think it's happening at this particular time? Well, a couple of things here. First of all, the documentary is still on iTunes and so people can uh, go there and see it. Um, they can also get, there's a, a part of it that has a lot more material that from one of our top secret witnesses who had handled this from the Air Force um, as a bonus feature and on iTunes. Uh, it's also on Netflix, and it's been it was probably the top documentary there for 2017. And, and the reason people are so interested in this subject is they know it's true and that the government's hiding something. They don't know what they're hiding. And that's what we try to do an expose of in the documentary. Uh, and we had predicted that as this documentary began to get legs and with millions of people seeing it, I have also recently found out that at this point, um, from our, we have a, a team that does analysis on the deep internet, uh, architecture, about a hundred thousand people a day, um, are seeing this documentary. So what, what, what I think people need to understand is, we knew that there was going to be a, a counterpunch from the intelligence community, or IC. So the intelligence community, when I use the word IC, I'm referring broadly to the CIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the uh, other branches, NSA, et cetera, and so on, the whole alphabet soup of, you know, 16, 18, 20 intelligence groups, um, as well as their corporate lackeys, or I should say bosses. And I think that what folks have to understand is that um, there's there's a group that was put together by an aging um, rock star uh, named uh, TTS to the stars. And this this was put together. If you look at who is involved, they are all people from the deep parts of the intelligence community whose uh, purpose it is is to put out information that seems benign. Like in this case, the thing that you're referring to that was on the New York Times and Washington Post and CNN. Um, but interestingly, uh, that it was revealed from the Threat Assessment Office of the Pentagon. And the leader of this group is very dedicated to spinning it in a direction of there's an alien invasion that we have to be worried about and have uh, these, uh, you know, so we have to fight aliens in space somehow. This is all part of a disinformation campaign that we had predicted uh, back in the 1990s. I wrote a paper called When Disclosure Serves Secrecy. And uh, it was about the, the whole process of disclosure being hijacked by people with this sort of agenda. 
And the agenda, the reason all of this happened and the reason it got covered is that people listening, what they need to understand is that the, the, the media does not cover this issue unless they are instructed to do so by the uh, people in the intelligence community uh, at for specific reasons. So the coverage on this, which was widespread, was orchestrated, but it had within it uh, a subliminal message of a threat from space. Now, the reason for that, let me let me connect the dot for you, because okay. those of you who haven't seen the movie Unacknowledged, is that in the 1950s, it was decided that this would be kept very secret, but that when it came out, they would present it as a threat when they had pretty much exhausted um, or needed to bring the, the, the world together uh, around a common alien threat. In fact, Ronald Reagan in the 1980s said, wouldn't our job of creating world peace and unity be easier if there was a common alien threat? So that was scripted by the same elements within the intelligence community. It's all completely fake. And, of course, if there was a threat from outer space, we would have known about it about 1945 when we started detonating atomic weapons. However, think about it. You know, Leon Panetta, who I had provided a briefing on the UFO and ET subject for when he was the uh, CIA director for President uh, Obama, stated that, well, we're spending $110 billion a year chasing 70, that's seven zero, al-Qaeda members in Afghanistan, um, and that this is kind of ridiculous. And of course it is, but if you're going to have a multi-trillion dollar military, industrial, intelligence, laboratory, financial, corporate complex, to keep it alive, you've got to create another boogeyman. And the big boogeyman that they have been holding in their back pocket for about 70 years is the ET one. So this group, has decided to start playing that card, which is the reason, the raison d'etre of Unacknowledged. The reason I decided to spend two years making this film and getting it out, and it culminates 25 years of research with top secret witnesses from all walks of life blowing the whistle on this, is so that the public would understand what the truth is about the subject and also why it's been kept secret um, and, and the second reason for the secrecy is that if it was disclosed that these uh, uh, ETs were here and were here in these things we call UFOs, uh, as pop culture, by the way, the intelligence community doesn't call them that. They call them ETVs, extraterrestrial vehicles. Um, what you would find is that the, the public uh, would be, they, they don't want it to come out in a way that that doesn't further empower war. So I tell people, we have a choice here. It's The future is universal peace or endless war and, the, and destruction. Now, the people who want endless war, which is very profitable to the warmongers, is that they will create a threat that's not there, and they can stage a threat that's not there. And this is exactly what the uh, intelligence community is very good at doing. So... That's what we found. I discovered this in the 1990s um, and have been advising various presidents and people all along the way to, to be, be wary of this. The public needs to be extremely wary of it as we go here into 2018, because I think that that uh, false 
flag uh, announcements coming. Now, the other part of the secrecy has to do with the fact that you're not coming through interstellar space using uh, Exxon Jet A fuel. You are using a type of physics that allows for you to pull energy from the fabric of space-time, so-called zero-point energy and anti-gravity technologies. And those have been studied and perfected since the 1940s and 50s in covert programs. If that were disclosed, I mean, you can't disclose that the UFOs are real without that being the first question that any scientist and technologist would ask. It's how in the hell are these things operating? Well, when that begins to get looked at carefully, people are going to realize, well, we already know how these operate. And we haven't needed oil, gas, coal, public utilities for at least 70 years, which means all the global warming, all the climate change, all the destruction to the biosphere, global poverty, all these things have been created by man. They are not naturally occurring. And I think that this is the thing that most people don't understand, is that the secrecy has to keep alive two myths. One is that we have to be on this sort of gradual adoption of alternative energy technologies, such as wind and solar, which, of course, are also very centralized through utility companies and uh, very inefficient, and that there has to be another enemy that we kind of come around and fight uh, because that props up the multi-trillion dollar global military-industrial complex. If there was an honest disclosure, now let me tell you what's actually going on, is that we're being visited by highly advanced civilizations from other star systems. They are peaceful, but they're very wary of the fact that we are not. Um, They are waiting for us to grow up. They are not going to land on the White House long inadvertently, um, just for the heck of it. Uh, They're waiting to see if our civilization becomes anywhere near a level one civilization, as Michikaku would describe, a civilization that's no longer fighting and isn't destroying its biosphere. We're a level zero civilization for your information. And if we would be, you know, able to go into space peacefully. Well, we have been failing all those tests since World War II. The human race um, has not... uh, the humanity uh, has not come together in a peaceful way. We have not stopped destroying our biosphere. And even scientists who discover the so-called zero-point energy technology, their technologies are confiscated or they themselves harassed and sometimes assassinated uh, if it comes out. The other thing that people have been, the other big myth that we blow up in, in the film Unacknowledged, which actually has been proven by the coverage of the film, is that the large media is completely and utterly controlled by the intelligence community. Um, They will cover a story like what just came out because the front people for it have an agenda of presenting an alien threat. And yet unacknowledged, look at this, it's the number one documentary on the world's largest platform, iTunes, for a whole year, and they haven't covered it at all, even though it's chopped full of top-secret documents, smoking gun witnesses, whistleblowers, smoking gun documents that have been authenticated from the CIA and elsewhere. It's dispositive what is in this hour-and-a-half film. However, 
there has not been a single, it's been blacklisted because it exposes the big lie of this fake threat. And it exposes the big lie of, of well, we're still studying these, now they're calling them UAPs, unexplained aerial phenomena, what nonsense. There's nothing unexplained about them. Um, we know exactly what they are, but they want to keep this sort of myth going because the revelation of the truth of it would mean an entirely new, sustainable, peaceful civilization on Earth. They don't want that. They want a civilization that's impoverished, is in need of Big Brother, and is dependent on the big super state, and is also on a war footing because war is the most profitable industry on the planet. I mean, you know, you can you can bill, as we have I saw a document, where... Uh, sending a washer for a top-secret project, a washer, like a Bolton washer, from one place to another on, on a special courier was billed the U.S. government $10 million for that washer. This is true. This was actually in the Washington Post, oh, an sorry. article some years ago. So by bilking the taxpayers, and, and uh, what the other study that just came out at Michigan State University is that there's $21.5 trillion unaccounted for in the U.S. government, that have been completely embezzled uh, through the military, mostly in intelligence community. And our entire national debt is, is only 20 trillion. So more than the amount of our entire national debt has been literally embezzled by these, these devils. And I have to say that, you know, this they don't want to have come out either because we're sort of all sort of uh, sheeple being herded around through pop culture and, you know, it's like the, the ancient Roman times, bread and circus, you throw out bread and give them a circus and entertain them with sports and, and uh, frivolity and rubbish. But in reality, we're hoping that, that the, the planet begins to wake up to what's actually happening and there's an awakening uh, and not a violent revolution at all, but a revolution in thought and a revolution in consciousness that we're all one people in this cosmos and that we can live together and by bringing these sciences and technologies forward have a completely transformed planet uh, that will have no pollution no poverty within a generation now that sounds like a pipe dream it isn't the, the solutions for this are sitting in a black box and it's going to take a great deal many of us not just me to, to bring this out so that's really what the book and, and the uh, the message of the book and, and the movie are, are really all about. Huh. Thank you. Dr. Greer, so many questions. I guess one of the first ones is that you said these ancient uh, or extraterrestrial beings are waiting for us to wake up to see if we're going to grow up. Well, what chance does humanity really have to wake up if you have a small percentage that are very successful in repressing the people, psychologically speaking, and I imagine metaphysically speaking, if they're able to hold people in a perpetual state of that fear of now and not allow them the, even the opportunity to engage in critical thinking or to become one and grow with their evolution, how are they ever going to be free? Do you think that at some point in time that we will need some type of intervention and even to, to I guess, cast aside or give us a chance of growing? Are these people that dangerous that we're, we do we even have a chance of uh, becoming a level one civilization? Oh, we do, okay. but it isn't going to happen by sitting. You know, it's not going to happen by sitting in your Barca lounge or looking at the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> it, it's going to happen by people getting up and doing something about it, which of course people don't want to do. They want everyone else to do something about it. 
Uh, now, I gave up my medical, I'm a trauma doctor, emergency doctor, and I gave up my career to work on this. Um, uh, and I remember Lawrence Rockefeller begging me not to because he said, you're just going to be the court jester entertaining the masses on this. No one's going to help you. Uh, but it, that hasn't been true altogether. But, you know, as I reflect back on 27 years of doing this and uh, the losses I've had, but the terrible losses I've had, the, the people, my friends who've been murdered, uh, what's happened to me, the, the people on my team who have disappeared, um, the loss of my medical career, it's all very tragic. However, I have faith that there are enough people who can awaken and realize uh, and, and, and consciousness is such that you don't need to have a majority. If you understand the studies that have been done in non-locality and consciousness, you need about 1%. So let's say we have 7.2 billion people on the planet. You really only need about, you know, if you take uh, 1% of, of, of that, you know, you need 72 million people. Well, that's doable globally to, to get 72 million people aware and moving in a certain direction on something. Now, it's not easy. It's why we did this big mainstream movie release. And the next one I want to do, uh, if we can find the right uh, production team to do it, hint, hint, anybody out there, um, <laughs> is, is really going to be about how higher consciousness um, is the key to interstellar contact and understanding the physics of transdimensional uh, interstellar travel. And uh, I mean, we can get into this discussion. Uh, it's a very deep one. But I, I'm convinced that w the human race has to move on to this path of adopting a whole new way of living. And, and as Einstein said, no problem is solved by the level of consciousness that created it. The level that has created the problems in the world that we see today um, is still running amok. That's the prevailing uh, status quo or conventional wisdom. What I think we can do is awaken people to a whole different way of thinking uh, about how you live on this planet. And I don't mean solar farms and wind, windmills, which I have a solar farm here at my place in Virginia. It's one of the largest in the state, but it's very inefficient. You could have something that's the size of your uh, uh, coffee table that could run your entire house or office building forever pulling energy from the zero-point energy space. Uh, and this has been proven to exist. This is not a theoretical sort of urban legend. Uh, even in physics journals and the Casimir effect and, and other discussions, uh, it's been proven that this field of energy exists. And what we have to do is come together as a people and say, well, we're, we may not be able to pry one of these things out of the cold gray hands of these sociopaths and the, uh, covert programs, but we can come together and work on it ourselves and bring it out. So that's what we're proposing to do. Now, of course, that's going to take research and development funds and a lot of things that, that people don't want to provide because, again, they want to, they'll spend $10,000 to go to the Super Bowl, but they won't give you two cents to do this. So I'm just being used in my social commentary for the, for the day. But uh, the fact of the matter is, if people are going to, ha we have a choice to make. Do we want to be frivolous and stupid or do we want to be awakened and go forward? And if we're awakened, we're going to realize that the world that is around us 
it's a carryover from the late 1800s that has been locked into uh, a sort of permanent state of decay by design because it benefits the industrialists who created that. So we need to look at a genuine post-industrial, post-carbon civilization. And the answer is sitting right in front of us when we look at the UFO phenomenon, how those objects are moving, where they're getting their energy from, but also the consciousness of 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 the beings who are visiting us. Think about it for a moment. You come across a planet like this that's blowing each other up with atomic bombs and at the end of World War II, where then we have all these crazy people running the planet uh, who are withholding from the public the means to live on the planet without this destroying the biosphere at all. There'd be zero pollution from these technologies. And we're here running amok with, instead of two billion people in 1920, 7.2 billion people living with coal-fired power plants and gasoline-powered engines in our cars, uh, and your electric cars, but memo to Elon Musk. That is the, that, that talk about fake new technology. You're plugging it into a power grid that's fired mostly by gas and coal. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, it's, a, it's all of everything that we, all the Silicon Valley, oh, aren't we wonderful? No, actually, you're not. And yet, let me explain why you're not. And I hate to rain on everyone's parade here on New I Year's Eve. I love it. Rain, please. But, but, but people need to, to realize that that is all a sort of a, a Truman show, if you saw the Truman show with Jim Carrey, um, where it's just sort of everyone's living in this sort of bubble where they believe that they're doing something that is going to make a difference. It is not going to make a difference until you realize what the fundamental problem is. The fundamental problem, to use a technology analogy, is the OS, the operating system of the planet. The operating system of the planet right now, as well as the consciousness paradigm, is destructive. We get just take, strip it all down. You're blowing up. You're burning oil. You're burning coal. You're digging coal up out of the ground. Nuclear power, it, you're, you're basically doing a slow explosion. It's fission of the atom to create heat to turn a turbine, to create steam to turn a turbine. Everyone thinks that, oh, nuclear power is the answer. Well, it isn't. All you're doing is creating heat to boil a pot of water to turn a, stir- a, a, a turbine. People don't realize it's a big turbine engine, like a choo-choo train going across <laughs> the West in 18, mid-1800s. That's all a nuclear power plant is, except you're getting the heat by splitting the atom, and then you have thousands and thousands of years of deadly radioactive waste sitting around on the earth, killing people, causing cancer rates to skyrocket. That is not a solution, my friends. So, so we have the solutions. What we're trying to put a spotlight on with this movie and the book is that, guess what? The real solutions for a true space age interstellar civilization are extant. They exist. They've been suppressed. But it's going to take a very heavy lift to go up against the powerful people in the intelligence community and financial sectors to make this a reality. Now, let's then also look at our uh, electric system. Our electric system is, if you take a, go back and Google this, those of you listening, and get, get a photograph of 1900, late 1800s, early 1900s of New York City, and you'll see this tangle of wires 
on poles, taking electricity. Well, that's what we have today. This is why in a hurricane, you lose power. This system is from the late 1800s that we're living in. Now, here we are uh, driving around in cars. The internal combustion engines, yes, they're more sophisticated with computers on them, are from 1888 with Mercedes. The jets you're flying on were first experimented with in the 1930s. Rockets were the 1940s. Bang, the lid is down. Nothing we are using is after the 1940s. I'm going, are you kidding me with this crap? We're (laughs) 70-plus years into a civilization where basically everything we're using except microprocessors, uh, which were reverse-engineered from extraterrestrial vehicles that we retrieved, by the way, um, are from the 1800s or early 1900s, the first half of the 20th century. So we need to take a step back. And this is, these are facts. This is not an opinion that I'm giving. This is just look around the world we're in. So that's the world we're in and that we've created. And being passive sheeple have allowed to uh, prevail. That isn't going to change until we, the people, stand up and say enough of this nonsense. Uh, and we want to create a new civilization on Earth that is sustainable, peaceful, because you cannot bring out these new technologies and apply them to warfare right away because it's going to be even more dangerous and is inter, interplanetary. Uh, now, these extraterrestrial civilizations understand that. So imagine them watching all this, what I just described, this sort of ridiculousness of our culture. And they've been very restrained because, frankly, if they were a threat, they would have simply invaded the planet about the time we exploded the first atomic weapon at the Trinity site in White Sands and said, you crazy monkeys don't need to have these things and just shut it down. But they're not. They understand. It's kind of like an older sibling understanding that we're going through a sort of collective craziness of adolescence um, and that we'll outgrow it, they hope. In the meanwhile, if we don't, they're watching because we have become an existential threat to other planets. And this is the thing I'm turning this on its head today for you. The way that these civilizations view us is that we are so out of control and so murderous and so stupid that we are an existential threat to other star systems right now because our covert programs at Lockheed Skunk Works the super secret operations and research programs at Lockheed actually have reverse engineered and studied extraterrestrial uh, technologies to the point that we are, we could project our threat to another star system uh, and be a threat to them. And, and this of course means that the entire human race is at risk because you have a group of, of strange lobbying scientists with their supporters and covert programs who are experimenting with technology and have the consciousness of violence instead of peace behind them. And this is an existential threat to every single person on earth. And this is why, you know, these, these ET civilizations need to see a different face of humanity. And this is why I started something called the close encounters of the fifth kind initiative, which is when, we gather teams, and there are thousands of teams all over the world now who study this and use uh, consciousness and thought, remote viewing, um, some would call it telepathy, that's not quite correct, 
uh, to interface with these civilizations and to make peaceful contact and to show them that there are people on Earth who are enlightened and who are conscious, conscious beings and who do want to interface with them for peaceful purposes. And that's really going to be the subject of the next big uh, film that we do, well, Dr. Is Gr- Close Encounter. I'm so glad yes. you brought that up because I do want to ask you a question about that. And first off, I want to let everyone know that you can download this phenomenal app. It's called ET Contact Tool. And if you download it, it'll give you more information about preparing for these types of meditations. I thought that was so fascinating watching Unacknowledged about how you gather groups of people, you did collective meditation, and you're attempting to communicate with these beings. And my understanding, Dr. Greer, is that you're able to do this because apparently we are all part of one mind. Now, that being said, if we are all part of one collective mind and we have large parts of this conscious mind that are insidious and murderous, is it a wrong assumption to make that the universal mind for which you and I occupy may actually be one of a sociopath? I mean, with the bad guys coming out on top in some certain ways, is it a little startling that the universal mind would give its energy and give its you know, attention and energy to this part of its mind that is murderous, as opposed to giving its time, effort, and energy to the part of its mind that is peaceful? I was wondering what your thoughts were about that. Well, my thoughts are that the, the field of, let's talk, talk about the field of non-local consciousness. In other words, consciousness as an undifferentiated, uh, infinite field of awareness. That's neutral. Uh, now, when you get into relativity, say a, a, a human being with free will, you can use that for good or for ill. It's like you can take a knife and spread butter on your bread, or you could take it and slit the throat of the person sitting across the table from you. That has to do with your free will and what you're doing. This gets into a very sort of almost spiritual discussion, but so the consciousness itself is very zen-like, undifferentiated, peaceful, unboundedness. And before I was a a medical doctor, I was a a, a meditation teacher and went all around the world. In fact, that Louise Hay was one of my students, and wow. et cetera, and so on, and and went all over the world teaching meditation. And it was actually because I had a near-death experience when I was seventeen, and I was raised a, a scientific atheist in my family. We didn't believe in anything that didn't exist in a test tube or something. Um, and I had this beautiful experience of the cosmos as this singularity of consciousness and, and just unbelievable love and peace and beauty. And I said, wow, this is so amazing. So I, I searched for a few months and found a meditation technique I liked and started meditating. I began to have these experiences all the time in samadhi and then higher states of consciousness. So I spent, you know, eight hours a day for some years just in meditation when I, in my misspent youth in my late teens and early 20s and became a meditation instructor. But what I discovered when I, on one particular evening when I was, I just turned 18 and I was the first year of college and I was sitting on a mountain uh, in, in the mountains of North Carolina and I was doing this beautiful meditation and at the end of it, I was in sort of a unity consciousness and God consciousness state and this ET appeared beside me and touched my right shoulder um, and, and it was just beautiful. Oh, and of course, at first I thought it was a deer standing on two legs, so it had almond-like eyes. And I sort of vanished, and, and I went 
had an experience with these with this particular civilization and, and, and that, that was there and and how humans experience universality of consciousness and how that could be used to make contact with them for peaceful purposes in the future now as an 18 year old teenager I, I really didn't understand everything I do now as a 62 year old guy however it informed my whole you know path I mean, my whole career. And it, that was six months after the near-death experience. So, so what, what, I, what I discovered was that the universe is actually magnificently beautiful and that where humanity is, is that we have taken our free will to do things that are harmful and are destructive. And our technologies reflect the destructiveness, whether it's through war, weapons, or even how you're running your car and, and on gasoline which is destroying the biosphere. Other civilizations have gotten past this, let's call it adolescent phase of development, and in their maturity have become peaceful and also have, have developed technologies that are peaceful, but are also extremely high-tech. But the high-tech isn't used for war, it's used for the good. Now, that's a choice cultures make. It's a, it, and this gets into the discussion of, of Earth being uh, and humanity, like many, like all intelligent life forms, having free will that can go one way or the other. So you can't blame, say, God or the universal mind for the, the stupidity of those who have the children. They, they, you know. <laughs> however, at a certain point, you have to take responsibility, and this is this whole discussion today is about we have to take responsibility for this. And when we see the people who are the devils in the intelligence community pushing out all this rubbish um, on CNN and the Washington Post and the New York Times, um, but you know, and, and the case that they were featuring was a legitimate case. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it was a, a, a Navy pilot encountering a UFO and had it on, on camera and radar, which my group has hundreds of these in our archives. Interestingly, they won't put that on CNN because I would say what I'm saying to you here about what the secrecy is about. I wouldn't be mincing words like Leslie Keene saying, well, we don't really know what these are. Well, she does. She's been in my home, and she knows exactly what they are. <laughs> these are all people who are mouthing the narrative of the intelligence community. And I always say, how do you know they're lying? Their lips are moving. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> I will be quite, I'm a very blunt person when it comes down to this. But when you look at the, you know, the deeper question you ask, and I don't think it has to do with that the, uh, the unbounded conscious mind or the cosmic being is this way at all. But we as humans that have free will can choose to use these capabilities for good or for harm. And I think we have, we have a choice to make. To get back to this, we are at this millennial crossover. And I, I don't think it's just a, a thousand year event. I think we're in a 400, 500,000 year cycle that's ending and another half a million year cycle that is opening uh, the hallmark of the future cycle is universal peace, interstellar travel, sustainability, not only peace on earth and through the heavens, but living in a way of great enlightenment, both in consciousness, but in the technologies that reflect that consciousness that we would not be using as an enlightened civilization, uh, the technologies that cannibalize the earth and destroy the earth in order for us to live here because it is utterly and completely unnecessary. And I think this is the big picture people need to get 
And to make that a reality, it does take a mass movement in, in, in consciousness to take place, which is why I gave up my medical career. I realized that you know, we were floating along, heading over with no barrel about to go over Niagara Falls as a civilization, and that someone needed to sort of steer this thing in another direction. Well, so I think that, that that's basically why why I gave up my my medical career. But I think that that that's that's what everyone has to ask themselves. You know, what direction are we taking? It's a good thing since this is you know beginning of a new year in 2018. Um, and, and what do we want? What kind of planet do we want to leave for our children? In my case, I have eight grandchildren. Um, and and do we want to have a planet that is running the way it was in 1898? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, now, you know, people think, oh, great, I have an iPhone or, you know, a smartphone and, and a computer. So what? You know, you're charging it off a coal-fired power grid from the 1800s. So I think people have to begin to understand that this is a change that is massive. Um, the reason it's, you know, I remember when there was one guy in the Rockefeller family who was supportive of what I wanted to do back in the 90s, um, who, was, who was doing the briefings when we had the materials going to Bill Clinton, and that's Lawrence Rockefeller. And, of course, David Rockefeller of Chase Manhattan Bank, you know, wanted to kill all of us. But, um, but, but, they, but Lawrence really, he, you know, we, well, I had this poignant conversation with him out on his patio uh, one night in the Grand Tetons at the JY Ranch, which is this gorgeous ranch. They, you know, the, the Rockefellers donated the entire Teton range to the U.S. government and then kept this beautiful ranch for themselves in the center of it. And I was there with Lawrence Rockefeller, and, and uh, he, he, he turned to me, and we were alone. He said, you know, Dr. Greer, the disclosure of this is so vast and so profound, the implications uh, of, of this disclosure that no aspect of life on earth will be unchanged by it. I said, yes, Lawrence, that's why it's secret. <laughs> so if it were something trivial, if it was about little green men and ha, 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 now that's what the intelligence community wants you to think it is, but it isn't. It's really about uh, the future of our civilization. Um, but it also has immediate effects because you, you, if you disclose this information honestly, without it propping up the war machine, you also are going to have the petrodollar system completely replaced. And let's think about this for a moment. Um, you know, there's hundreds of trillions of dollars in assets in oil, gas, coal, public utilities, many people's pension. All of that's obsolete and has been obsolete for decades. So when you bring this information out, you have to understand you're going to have to create a new macroeconomic system for the entire planet, not just the United States, everyone because here's the problem when this when these technologies first began to be discovered a hundred years ago and then we had world war ii and we had et contact happen and we figured out anti-gravity i'll give you the date when we mastered gravity control of how to make something become lighter lighter than air and then vanish and, and levitate and that was 1954 scientifically oh, wow. so uh, october 1954 so everything you see out there the jets you fly on the cars you ride in your your you, the houses everything that you have have been obsolete since a year before i was born i was born in 1955 so what i tell people is that this means it is the biggest reindustrialization 
in the history of humanity. It makes the Marshall Plan rebuilding World War II, uh, Germany after World War II, look like nothing. So this is a massive undertaking that we're talking about here. And the reason it's so massive uh, is because it's been delayed. If it had been phased in as it should have been, but I, you know, I can't go back in a time machine to the time before I was born and fix these mistakes that were made in the post-World War II era. All I can say is here's the world that we inherited. Here's what we need to do to come together to fix it. And if we come together to fix it, we will have a planet that is unspeakably beautiful, a future that's unspeakably beautiful. And these civilizations, these various uh, ET civilizations will welcome us with open arms if we're peaceful and enlightened. We are not welcome out there until we become peaceful and enlightened, by the way. And this has been shown to us also very distinctly uh, and, and unequivocally. So I think that if we really want to have uh, a future that, that involves uh, a peaceful uh, existence, a coexistence in space, but that also flourishing on Earth and in space, we're going to have to change how we think. Uh, and I think it's all hidden within us because you think about it, if you have an experience with another human being that's from another culture, they may seem very alien, but if you think about it, they're conscious and they're sentient, you're conscious and sentient. Well, that conscious state, that aware state, is a singularity, and you are one. So that's, that's the heart of the compassion of the Buddha, isn't it? It's a realize where you're essential oneness and where you are all the same, you are all alike. Well, we have to then expand that to understanding this about conscious, sentient life forms from other planets. So when I started my organization in 1990, the foundation of it was this concept. Uh, based on the experience I had with the ETs and also in the near-death experience and in meditation, but the understanding that consciousness is a singularity. I love, I love the quote from Erwin Schrodinger, the father of modern uh, particle wave theory and, and quantum mechanics. In 1908, he said that the total number of minds in the universe is one. That is, it is a singularity. And it has been proven now that the, the mind is a singularity. Um, and so when we, when we experience that in deep meditative states, then we can, in that, from that deeper level of understanding, as the deep spiritual and conscious state, we can understand that these other civilizations are, in fact, uh, conscious as we are, and most of them have developed into very higher states of consciousness, where their entire civilizations are in a state of what we would call cosmic consciousness and what have you, and very, very high levels of consciousness. And some of them are just maybe a few thousand years beyond us, but they're on the path to that. Um, none of them are, are at our level, and if they were just at our level or less, they wouldn't be here. By definition, they wouldn't be able to get here because they would have either blown themselves up before they left their solar system um, or been contained, uh, which is what's happening with us now. Right now, there is... We're being contained right now? I mean, yes, I'm just curious, when you, when you communicate with these other beings, you, can, well, so you communicate with extraterrestrials, is there any way to, to ask what kind of civilizations they are, and do they view us as the most violent civilization in the universe and i'm wondering if there are other civilizations that are like us but maybe much worse that have been a threat that actually have been dealt with well i'm sure you know there's nothing new under the sun the old expression says and in a universe that's billions of years old i'm i'm sure that there are other civilizations that have been as foolish as we are and i don't think we're the worst 
um, were probably, I do remember this hilarious meeting I had with uh, Pope John Paul's um, consigliari on this subject, who was a Monsignor Balducci at the, at the Vatican, and I was sitting there at his apartment overlooking St. Peter's, and he turns to me and he says, you know, he says, lower than humanity, there cannot exist in the entire universe. I love it from the perspective of this, this Catholic Monsignor who was the right hand to, to the Pope, uh, and, and who was a incredibly supportive of everything we're doing, by the way. Wonderful man. Um, and and, the, and the, the popes know about this as well. I mean, you know, my position now is that I'm sort of a bridge that goes into all these sort of worlds and to see who has what and to preach someone I need to. But I think what, what the, what's interesting is that there's nothing new under the sun. So, yes, certainly there are civilizations who are probably at our level, but they would be also contained. Um, one of the things that people want to have, of course, I mean, I know it's great for George Lucas and Star Wars fans, is to have, you know, cowboys and Indians shooting it up out in space forever. It doesn't actually work that way. And I'll give you one little nugget to think about why it doesn't. Once you cross the atomic threshold, which, you know, we concluded years ago, mutual assured destruction, that if we had a, a, a thermonuclear exchange on this planet, it would destroy not just humanity, but all life on this planet. Imagine technologies that are a million-fold more sophisticated than a thermonuclear weapon, and that being weaponized. If that were to be weaponized, it would be a nanosecond, and you would have the entire planet dissolve into a pink mist floating throughout space. It would it would dissociate at a subatomic level the entire planet and everyone on it. The idea that you're going to have the kind of technologies I'm talking about and still the consciousness of violence and the consciousness of war is absurd because that exchange, that war, would last less than a nanosecond. Um, and, and one of the things I find very funny about the whole conspiracy and UFO crackpot field, and, and I have to say most of the people who deal with this subject in this space are utter and complete. It's just buffoonery, Is really. Is it true that you, then you, um, not, you're a skeptic that 90% of the stuff that's out there you don't believe? I remember. I don't. Yeah, no, I would say 98% of everything wow. out there, I think, is utter and complete nonsense, rubbish. Um, and uh, any any thinking person with, you know, a, more, a little over average IQ would figure that out very quickly okay. because but let, let's say, you know, let's take one of the theses. Oh, they're coming here to invade us. Well, they're not. But even if they were, it wouldn't be the way that people are fantasizing. People fantasize they're here abducting us. Well, it turns out that the abductions, and if you look at this, this movie Unacknowledged, we have an Air Force intelligence officer admitting to the fact that covert human operations have been masquerading with, quote, stagecraft on man-made anti-gravity things that look like UFOs abducting people for their psychological warfare value, their counterintelligence value. This was proven in the 1980s, by the way, but nobody was listening. So, so you know, the, count, the intelligence community has people think that we couldn't possibly have a technology that could simulate that. I felt like, we, well, we don't. We did starting in the 60s. So beginning in the, the late 50s and 60s, we had the ability to simulate an alien event, including an aircraft that looks like a UFO and creatures that look like aliens 
and to engage in things that people experience tragically, and they're victims, I don't say they're not victims, of mutilations and abductions. And, and the intelligence community has been doing this for 60-some years. So I think that this is something that, of course, is, is rarely do you get someone of this person's rank who's an Air Force intelligence officer to admit it on camera, but I got him to. And I think that he also admitted to the fact that the, that there was a false flag, a sort of a false alien invasion threat. That he, but he kept that he backed off. He says, "Now that's very top secret. I can't talk about it. That I can't talk about that." You should see the full interview with this man. That is on the iTunes Store. If you get the the, the film there, you get also the bonus things with with this intelligence officer's interview. And it's also in the book. The book is available at Amazon and Barnes and Noble or a website, Serious Disclosure. And the transcript, when you read this, you go, holy shit, this is unbelievable. Well, you know, here's an Air Force intelligence officer who specifically worked the UFO subject for virtually a decade, coming clean with the fact that not only have we engaged in the abductions, but we've also have a plan, a master plan, to sort of fake a threat from outer space. And then, of course, as soon as Unacknowledged hits the top of the charts on iTunes, you have this this uh, fake group put together by an aging rock star, Tom DeLong, who, by the way, has stayed at my home here in Virginia. He, I used to mentor him on this. And he got pulled over to the dark side by all these spooks and CIA and military people and doesn't apparently have the ability to discern fact from fiction. But nevertheless, what you have here is a very tragic situation where the public, the public, unfortunately, it's like after 9-11, everyone panicked. And then we go into Iraq, which, of course, Saddam Hussein was a monster, but he had nothing to do with 9-11. Um, and, you know, we end up blowing up a country, spending $2 trillion, and hundreds of thousands of people are killed. And now we have ISIS. So people don't think about what the consequences of are of this kind of deception. So the big one, however, is coming. This is what I'm telling, like Paul Revere saying, this one's coming. The first shot across the bow of it, you just saw on CNN and the Washington Post and New York Times, not, not, not from the, not from the, 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 the event itself. The event itself is just a, a routine, and they happen all the time, military jet encounter with a UFO. They've happened thousands of times. We have like three or 4,000 of these cases. It's the way it was covered. It's the people behind it. And the people behind it are the people who are presenting the ET presence as a threat. And because it's a threat, they can justify a $5 trillion defense budget globally to fight them. This is worth what they're angling for. And you can't be fooled again. It's like the who. We won't be fooled again. You know, that song after, you know, that, at the Vietnam War, we have been fooled again. We were fooled by 9 11. Now we're going to be fooled by this if we don't wake up quickly. Doctor, wake up, yeah, Doctor. Is it painful for you to have an abnormally high intelligence? Uh, high, sorry, is it painful for you to have an abnormally high intelligence and understanding of how the world really works, and then you observe how billions of people are floundering and intellectually regressing by leaps and bounds? You have all this amazing technology, the air of information. You can get any book you want, at any point in time, and yet people will just stand on their phones and play like Angry Birds. I mean, I feel like. You know, I love what you're saying. I think that what you're doing is a great contribution. And I want to acknowledge and thank you for all the time, effort, and sacrifice you've put into this because I, I do feel it's an amazing leap forward for our civilization, humanity in general. But 
I mean, everyone else can do it. They can. They have access to all this information. Does it make you upset? You get disheartened to see all the untapped potential that could be there if people just give it five minutes, put a little time into it. Well, sure. I mean, you know, it, it can be disheartening, but it's also very heartening. I mean, because I follow, follow social media, the numbers of people that are waking up to the fact that we're not alone in the universe, that there are these elements within the intelligence community playing games. Um, and also the number of people, I mean, when we uh, announced our, our, uh, we have another app that's a free one that will show you where other CE5 team members are. Um, I think it's a ET, uh, uh contact tool uh, but you can go on there and it just the day we announced that it blew the whole world just got covered with our little triangular symbols for our organization and every country in the world it's just covered with teams of people going out in these meditative states for universal peace making contact so what i realized is that yes i mean you know you have to have a very broad view here there's a lot of dysfunction in our society but there's a lot of beauty to humanity and the all of us have this light of unbounded consciousness within us, and that this doesn't require a plurality or a majority. It requires 1% of us, if you look at the so-called Maharishi effect. You need 1% of the public to awaken to something, and it has this uh, hundredth monkey effect, let's call it, um, that then begins to propagate and make change society and change even people that aren't doing it, just because of the non-local resonant field of consciousness that's omnipresent and infinite. So I'm actually optimistic that we can make this change. Uh, but of course, yeah, I mean, if you look at our, our culture per se, you know, uh, well, people don't even know what the direction of Northwest is because no. they, they, they do their directions. They don't, can't read a map. Um, people have become so uneducated. I recently met someone who graduated from the University of Virginia which is the top public university in America, and, and he didn't know who Thomas Jefferson was, of course, who built the university and wrote the Declaration of Independence, for Christ's sake. But at, at any rate, I mean, I know I sound like a crudmudgeon here, but, but you know, but you know, Lord of mercy. Um, you know, the, you know the, these are people who, you know, that learn for the test and move on and don't know or whatever. But I think that what we have... To, to realize, though, is that there, there, there's two things going on. You have a growing, large, awakening population on the planet to these issues, and not only this subject, but higher consciousness and meditation and everything. And then you have the part that's just sort of like, well, <laughs> I don't, don't want to be too Go ahead. blunt. But, 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 be, the, I love your bluntness and being direct, because... We're well, it, it, was like, it, was, it was like this last election where it had a map of the United States and said, dumb fuckistan, you know, I mean, <laughs> um, but, 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 you know, I mean, that, that, that's what you're doing, but that's okay. You know, I mean, you expect that's going to happen because you're going to get sort of this sort of effect before there's a big transition uh, of a change that happens that towards the direction of sustainability and enlightenment. But I, I see more and more people becoming aware of this in a very good way. And uh, what's also wonderful, I mean, the bright side of what happened recently is that even though the people behind the recent disclosures are sociopaths who want to have interplanetary war and present the ETs as a threat, an alien threat, oh, my God, 
uh, which is complete nonsense. I mean, if they were a threat, trust me, we're yeah, running I around. I imagine we would have wiped this shit. out by now. I figured that we would have been wiped out yeah. a long time ago. Oh, please. I mean, you know, you're talking about interstellar travel capabilities versus an F-16. Yeah. Excuse me. I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, it's ludicrous. I mean, if, if that if they were really of that consciousness, it would have been point set match over, you know, and, and uh, you know, it, 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 as a scientist, I study the science of interstellar technology, which crosses through dimensions and that are very elegant physics. I mean, incredibly elegant physics, which we don't have time to go into, mm-hmm. which would probably put everyone to sleep anyway who's listening. But I think that, that, that what people have to understand is we understand that physics. If you know what it is, the idea that civilizations with those technologies would be any kind of uh, threat, and if they were a threat, that there would be any kind of discussion <laughs> about who's going to prevail would be ludicrous. Um, and therefore, it shows that they're just incredibly patient and incredibly, almost saintly level of restraint and patience. Uh, because otherwise there would have been a, a, a pushback and a big one because we have been using electromagnetic pulse weapons and things of this sort uh, since and directional scape, so-called scalar electromagnetic weapons since the 40s to target these craft and shoot, knock them down. You don't shoot them down. You disrupt their electromagnetic uh, propulsion systems and they drop out of the sky like a rock. Is that with That's radar? How we have, is that, didn't we bring them down with yeah. radar? So it was that an accident? Well, it, 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 no, it's not really radar, and it wasn't an accident. It was a radar system that was uh, doubling as a scalar longitudinal weapon system, and scalar waves travel faster than the speed of light. This is another whole discussion. And that's how Roswell happened. Roswell happened through the deployment of an early scalar system, and then we began to perfect it. I knew a man in the Air Force in Florida, at Eglin Air Force Base, he says, yes, we have a whole array of these, and when ET craft come into our atmosphere, we can target them and hit them. Now, of course, the kill rate isn't very high. The ETs have learned that we're doing this and are being careful, but uh, what I'm saying is that uh, there is a concerted effort to acquire their technologies, and we have done very violent things against them. So if they were themselves of a consciousness of violence and a threat, given the galactically stupid things we have been doing that I can prove we have been doing, it would have been all over. This civilization would have been turned off like a light switch. So um, it, it just shows that they're actually extremely enlightened and extremely peaceful and patient, like beyond belief. Um, sometimes I wish they weren't so patient because I'm get, I get so fed up with the stupidity. Oh, I'm waiting for them to come uh, down. I want to I contact those people and say, listen, beings from the other worlds, go ahead. Go ahead, just teach us, teach us the lesson we need to be taught. Uh. Well, that, I, here's the other thing. I think there is, I mean, it's a little corny, but I think there is a prime directive. I think they really are, they, they understand that a civilization has to stumble through this period themselves and come out the other side, uh, that if it's something that's forced from, a lot of people say, why don't they just fix this for us? I said, because it would be like if you're raising a child mm-hmm. and every time the child it begins to fall off the bicycle, you ride the bicycle for it. And you have to, at some point, uh, you have to be aware there's danger. You have to contain the risk, but you cannot do it for them. 
And I think that, you know, it's like us going into Afghanistan with a bunch of feudal warlords thinking it's going to become a Jeffersonian democracy in 10 years. I mean, it's the height of stupidity. Well, these civilizations are wiser than Dick Cheney. Okay, let's just put it that way. Darth Vader. So, yeah, Darth Vader. So I think that, you know, they have a certain wisdom. And and so there's a restraint here that I think is, is... salutary it's very admirable but it can be frustrating in turns of course it's a restraint i understand that okay like like, you know you don't want to have you don't want to hold the kid's hand or be the helicopter parent but i mean there's got to be a point where i think you got to give at least a kid a chance and i always feel that the people that are controlling the things they are so good at what they do and their main competitor is a 400 pound guy that goes to the mall eating ice cream and I don't feel that the, the, the odds are stacked so far against us. So, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm, I love what you said about we get a 1% of the population band together, get strong. But I think a little help would be appreciated. Not saying a lot of help, but a little push from these civilizations. Well, I think they are. I mean, I think they are. I mean, look, I mean, I'm still alive against all odds. <laughs> there, are, there are good people within the intelligence. I just heard from one last night uh, who are, who's at the CIA. Who I mean, they're... There are things happening that, you know, I don't necessarily talk about publicly that there's there is support, but it can't be. In other words, let's put it this way. We the the real changes on Earth have to be led by the children of Earth, not the children from Alpha Centauri or or the Andromeda galaxy. And I think that this is about growing up and taking responsibility for ourselves and our planet. And this is an act of maturing that has to occur. But it isn't to say that there isn't protection and there isn't guidance happening. I believe it is. Um, But I think that it's something where the prime movers have to be those of us who are from the earth, of the earth, and our children's uh, children uh, from Gaia, from from the, the Earth Mother, and I think it's it's incorrect to think that uh, another civilization could or should do this externally for us. And sort of a, I call it sort of cosmic codependency, <laughs> where you know every every everyone wants to turn these uh, ETs either either into the devil and the big threat that we have to fight are the angels that are going to save our butts. And I, I think that it's very, it's, it's, I have a very different perspective on it than either of those um, sort of dichotomies. And I think we're, and I think they're both false. And I think they're based on people not wanting to take responsibility for themselves. And I think we have to take responsibility for our own actions and then collectively as a society for our actions. And, and we, we are responsible and we are accountable for what we do. And I think that's the key thing that people have to uh, begin to embrace and realize that we have all the gifts and power. Look, the good news about this is that everything we need for a civilization that can go forward for half a million years with peace and with sustainability and abundance and no poverty and also no illness, no, no, uh, the, the times that we have now, all of that exists already on the planet. It already exists. Now, we have to organize it and bring it forward, and that's not going to happen if all you do is sit in front of the television looking at reality TV shows and Duck Dynasty, Newsflash. So, you know, I mean, it's going to, it takes some work, it takes some sacrifice, and it can be risky. 
Um, but wherever we have been, you know, I mean, my, my mother's side of the family fought the American Revolution and my father in World War II. But we would either never had the United States had there not been people standing up to that uh, challenge in, in 1776. And in World War II, we'd all be goose-stepping to uh, Adolf Hitler's grandson if we hadn't had people take that buffoon on. Unfortunately, what people don't realize is that the, the Third Reich of Adolf Hitler was imported into the United States through Operation Paperclip into the intelligence community and the early aerospace program. And there is a covert Fourth Reich that is actually running things. And so that's what we have to not only learn about, but take down. And um, it's it's really interesting. Why don't we have another challenge? (laughs) Yeah, so that... But that that's actually the truth. I was meeting with uh, the son of a very famous senator not long ago who admitted that his entire family were fascists and that his wow. uh, his grandfather, um, Paul Mellon, one of the few billionaires at the time, at the end of World War II, went over to Hitler with uh, George S. Patton, General Patton, a few other people, to retrieve uh, Adolf Hitler's secret weapon was an anti-gravity disc that looked like a UFO. And he was trying to master anti-gravity technologies, and they brought it back to the United States. Uh, Ultimately, of course, Werner von Braun, whose right-hand person is one of our military witnesses, um, or corporate witnesses, I should say, Carol Robin, and others were involved with all those operations. And if you look at the movie Unacknowledged, you'll see some of this in there where you have this woman saying yes. And Werner Von Braun on his deathbed said they are going to try to present this as an alien threat. And it's a lie. It's all a lie. Every bit of it's a lie. And the people don't know it. But these guys were brought into the United States by the OSS, which became the CIA. And so one of the, the, the founding people of the CIA, Dulles and this guy, Paul Mellon, of the famous Mellon fortune, those guys were fascists and uh, they admitted they were fascists and they were Nazi sympathizers, but the war was lost and um, we won it. The fascists lost it, but that, so they imported it into our system and now that cancer has metastasized. And that's, that is the truth. That's a very scary statement. It's an absolutely factual statement. I know the families personally that are involved with this, I mean, personally, as in been with them at their homes for hours on end and their Jeez. estates and whatnot. So this is not a theory on my part. This is an absolute fact. And I think that this is one of the problems is that there is this sub rosa covert uh, fascism that is behind a lot of the policy that we see that has evolved since World War II. In fact, George Patton, who is no flaming liberal. It was like he was some pinko dancing, you know, in uh, ballerina shoes kind of dude. And George General Patton was assassinated because he was on the side of people who wanted to disclose the technologies that they had confiscated from uh, Hitler's regime that were the anti-gravity discs that they had not perfected. Our secret weapon was the atomic bomb. Adolf Hitler's secret weapon was this anti-gravity control system for flight. Uh, but they had not mastered it by the time the war ended. But George Patton wanted this disclosed to the public because they thought it would be such a wonderful thing um, to replace you know, airplanes and jets and fuel. And, and, of course, because he was on that side of it, the petrofascists and the big Bretton Woods financial sector um, had him killed. 
Um, and I just learned that from this family, this is a very prominent senator's son who's, who's uh, not involved with politics, but is, is the, it, you know, knows his family. In fact, his, his grandfather, Paul Mellon, told him after he'd had a couple too many martinis um, before he died that this is actually what happened, that they went over there and seized Adolf Hitler's equipment and brought it back. Um, but that it was kept secret and that, you know, of course, Pat ended up, you know, being killed later because he was, believe it or not, one of the forward thinking progressives in that crowd. Uh, and cause you don't usually think of a general Patton that way, yeah. but there, you know, th- but the truth is there have been a lot of good people. Um, and it's been hard for me. I mean, I remember the very first meeting I had where I briefed the, um, the general in charge of the Defense Intelligence Agency, which is uh, an agency as large as uh, virtually as large as the CIA, but it's the in-house Pentagon intelligence group. And that general, Patrick Hughes, and I were talking, and I was doing a briefing for him at the Pentagon. And he turned to me, and after about 10 minutes, he said, Dr. Greer, he said, the one thing I don't understand, I want to ask you a question. I said, well, what is it, General? He says, I don't understand why you haven't eaten your gun yet and killed yourself. And I said, my God, what do you mean? He says, well, my father knew of some of this stuff. We thought he was a kook back in the 60s, 50s and 60s. And he was involved in the intelligence world. Apparently, his dad was pretty high up. And I said, well, what happened? He says, well, he committed suicide because no one would do anything about it. And I said, well, I have a different vision. I don't, you know, I, I see this as something we will come through. And it's a, it's a tumultuous adolescent phase of humanity generally, but I see this this far horizon where we're going to become a, a a peaceful civilization that will become interstellar and that there will be this time of universal peace, not just peace on Earth. And he says, well, I hope you're right. I said, well, that's the vision I see. That's what I experience, and that's what, that's what I hold on to going through all this dark nonsense. But it, it was very curious that this general, I mean, this is like the first question out of his mouth, this three-star, very poignant, um, that you know, he, he shared with me that his father had committed suicide over this and asked me why I hadn't. And it, it, was, it was just very strange. But, you know, my whole life since I got involved with this 20-some years ago has been very strange. But, um, but, you know, it gives you an insight into the gravity of the situation of the men and women dealing with this. It's a very difficult situation. That's pretty amazing. Dr. Stephen M. Greer, founder of the Disclosure Project, the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, the Orion Project, and Serious Technology Advanced Research. He's also author of a book, Unacknowledged. Also, you can watch Unacknowledged on Netflix. I have to tell you, I've watched that documentary at least four times, and I've read this book twice. It is phenomenal, and it really opened my mind. And um, Dr. Greer, thank you again so much for your commitment and for what you were doing all the great work that you've done. To learn more about Dr. Greer, please go to his website at SeriousDisclosure.com. Also, you want to download this great app called ET Contact Tool. Download it. You'll learn all about the group meditations and how you can be a part of it. Dr. Greer, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. appreciate your time. Dr. Greer, may I call you right back for just one second? I'll go to sure. All right, thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest, and special thanks as always to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. 
to learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>